Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay. You are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. We are going to talk about defense mechanisms today. And this is a bit of a follow-up to the show that I did a couple weeks ago uh, called, I think it was last week, boy, it's hard to keep track, Um, on healthy patterns and unhealthy patterns. So when you're dealing with a healthy pattern of behavior, you have to know what to do with the difficult emotions that you feel. And what a lot of people do is they enter into defense mechanisms. And people say that a lot. They'll throw that around. They'll they'll say things like, why are you being so defensive? Or, you know, you're, you're just getting angry because I'm talking to you about this. You're defensive. And they don't always know exactly what they mean by that, but they do know it's going sideways and it's pretty uncomfortable. So what I want to teach you today is what are defense mechanisms? What are some of the defense mechanisms that people mobilize when they are in an unhealthy pattern of behavior? And I would like you to be able to go away from this show saying, that's a defense mechanism I use and that's unhealthy. And by the end of the show, I'd like to tell you some other ways to respond when you feel like mobilizing your normal defense mechanisms so that you can grow and evolve and be healthier than what you've been. So just briefly, you can you can go back to my podcast, drpatriciabay.com, Therapy in a Nutshell podcast, and you can listen to the show on patterns of behavior. And you'll listen, you'll, it'll fully define what an unhealthy pattern of behavior is, and it'll define what a healthy pattern of behavior is. So... Basically what happens when we go into our own patterns, and patterns are super cool, because if you define your pattern of behavior, that is your insight into you. And when you can say, wow, that's what I do, now you are set up to evolve and to grow, and you don't have to be stuck in that unhealthy pattern. So when you are upset because something has happened and you have difficult feelings, this is the point where you need to stop and say, what defense mechanisms do I usually mobilize? When something happens, it tends to make us afraid. So if you go back to the show on love and fear and you can figure out how in this moment, am I doing okay? Am I threatened? Am I staying calm and comfortable? Am I in a place of love? Or did what occurred, the event or the upset that occurred, did that make me fearful? Did it make me worried and afraid and scared something's going to happen? And something going to happen doesn't necessarily mean another bad event or upset. It might just be somebody's going to be mad at you, reject you, abandon you, leave you, say that you're not good enough. And those are what the things that make us feel afraid. When we are fearful, fearful of an outcome, And I'm saying that slowly on purpose. I want you to recognize when we are afraid of the outcome of an event or an upset, something that upsets us, something information we didn't want to hear, or an event, something that happened that threatened us, either our uh, personal security, our relationship, our financial security, our children, our job. When something happens that makes us worried, concerned, afraid, that's when a defense mechanism will be mobilized. 
So you will dig deep into yourself and you will pull up your normal repertoire of behaviors. For some people, that's pretty darn unhealthy behaviors. Some people are more healthy than others. But I'll give you a really cool hint. When you can learn about what your defense mechanisms are and you notice that you're beginning to mobilize them, then you can stop and purposely mobilize a healthier pattern of behavior and not look as undeveloped or as angry or as hostile or as defensive as you might have in the past. Okay, so let's talk about what exactly are defense mechanisms. These are the things that dictate how we're going to talk or behave in any given situation. And they begin to color the interaction that we're having. So let's say, let's take a typical relationship event or upset, and it's going to make you defensive. Let's say that you haven't been getting along with your partner, and your partner comes to you and says, you know, I just, gosh, I can't do this anymore. Um, I just feel terrible about how we interact with each other. It's not good for us. It's not good for the kids. I just don't want this to happen anymore. I think we need to consider getting a divorce. I think we need to separate. We need to end this relationship. Now, that's an event or an upset, correct? You haven't been thinking of divorce, or maybe you have, but you haven't been that unhappy. But you have noticed that the interactions have not been great. They haven't been healthy. You have felt cold and distant or pulled away. You recognize that things aren't going great. But maybe you were thinking, yeah, it's just a stage. Every relationship goes through this. We're closer sometimes. We're further away other times. I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. So your partner comes up and says, I think we need to separate. And you immediately get scared. Now, what are you afraid of? That's an interesting thing for you to explore. Are you afraid of rejection, abandonment, um, being thrown out, not being with your kids, uh, being blamed? Um, Are you afraid of the financial consequences? Because when you split up a relationship, you have to divide the empire. That's what I call it. It doesn't matter how big your empire is. You have to divide it. Um, If you're in a community property state like California, uh, and a lot of countries are community property countries, um, you have to divide everything equally when you are in a legal relationship with someone. So you might be afraid on a whole bunch of different fronts. At this point, when you're afraid, you might mobilize a coping mechanism. You might mobilize a defense mechanism. And this is your attempt to not feel the strong feelings you're feeling or to get control of the situation or to diffuse it or to flip the table around and get the other person to take a look at themselves. It's it's something to help you feel like you're scrambling around trying to get control of the situation. Those are defense mechanisms. And so what I want to do, and what I'm going to do in the second part of the show, is I'm going to go through the real basic defense mechanisms and explain them to you. And I want you to have a piece of paper and a pen, and I want you, when we you hear one that you goes. You go, oh, my heavens, that's me. I want you to write it down because that's going to be the insight into your soul, into your behavior, where you begin to change who you are and do things differently. So in the time we have left in this first segment, I want you to really get a handle on how you get thrown into fear and how that begins to mobilize those defense mechanisms. So let's back up a little bit into an unhealthy pattern or behavior. You're feeling okay. 
status quo. Things are going on. It doesn't mean the day is perfect or anything, but nobody has dumped some information on you or said something that upset you. So then there's an event or an upset. Either something happens that calls your attention or somebody says something to you that shifts your universe. Um, and let me give some examples of those. Your boss walks in and hands you a pink slip. You're getting fired. Or you get called to a meeting and they say we're closing down this company, this plant, this office. Um, your partner comes in and says they want uh, to end this relationship. Your teenager comes in and says, I'm pregnant. You're, <laughs> I'm trying to think all the things I've seen in my 34 years of private practice. Tons of stuff. Um, your dog dies, gets hit by a car. You're, you know, you find out you have COVID. You have something that's happening that shifts your world. All right? So instead of being calm and everything's going all right, all of a sudden you are afraid. Afraid of the outcome, afraid of consequences, afraid of what will I do now, afraid of grief and loss are all the deep emotions you'll feel if your relationship ends or your dog dies or you end up in the hospital or you have cancer or your child says, your teenager says she's pregnant or your teenage son comes home and says his girlfriend's pregnant or whatever. And those are the things we hear in life, right? So yeah, are they just life? Yes. But do they rock our world and make us afraid? Yes. They do. All right. So that's what happens when our defenses come up and now need to be mobilized. So we're going to break. And when we come back, I'm going to go through defense mechanisms and make sure you understand them. So get your pad of paper, get your pen, and we're going to break. And we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to the music of Randy McGinnis, Native American flutist. Beautiful music. You can go to his website, randymcginnis.com. He has six CDs. All of them are different, and they're beautiful and relaxing. And he is an amazing musician and a wonderful person. Cherokee native, speaks fluent Cherokee, and does so much for his people to keep their language going. And it's it's beautiful. Thank you, Randy, for letting us use your music on this show. Okay, this is Dr. Patty, and we're talking about defense mechanisms. Let's go through some of the basic defense mechanisms that people tend to use, and I want to explain them and maybe use some examples on each one so that you see how this works. One of the biggest ones that I see people do is acting out. They, they're afraid they're upset about something, and they will push all the feelings underneath. They'll do what's called repression, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But they'll stuff it all down, like sticking it in their bottle and sticking their cork on and trying not to feel it. But it's got to come out somewhere when you do repression and stick it inside. So acting out is where you're holding your upset feelings and you're holding your upset feelings, and then you do something to get rid of them from inside you. One of the typical things we see people do is use alcohol or drugs. They'll get drunk. And even people that don't drink a lot will say, I need a drink. And they will get drunk. And then when they're drunk, that will be their their excuse for unloading or crying or yelling at somebody or blaming someone else or having a wobbly uh, temper tantrum. 
and acting out. And so the alcohol becomes the catalyst for the inhibition removal that was keeping you silent and you blow up and act out. So let's look at a typical example that would happen with that. So let's say your spouse comes to you and says, I want to end this relationship and you're deeply upset and it's not what you expected and you're a little bit blindsided by it and you're really, really upset. So you're trying not to panic and you're trying not to scream and yell because you know that's not going to help anything. Um, you are shoving all the feelings under. So what do you do with those feelings? Okay, and then and the last part of the show, I'm going to teach you what to do with those in a better way than what you would do with acting out. But a person who uses acting out as a defense mechanism will shove all those feelings under and then find a way to explode whatever version of explosion means. Uh, so they get drunk and they scream and yell or they go pick up at somebody in a bar and have sex with a random person because they want to show the other one they don't care or they want to numb their feelings or they want to prove to themselves that they're attractive and someone else wants them. But the acting out behavior would be the indiscriminate sexual activity or the getting drunk and screaming and yelling or the going to their spouse and being all upset and screaming and yelling and um, t- trying to turn it, turn it around, which is blaming behavior. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the acting out often includes other unhealthy defense mechanisms. Okay, it can. But the acting out itself is a defense mechanism. Because we as humans can't hold a volcano's worth of feelings inside without it coming out somewhere, we blow up whatever blow-up looks like for you. And that's called acting out as a defense mechanism. So let's look at the idea that sometimes we do avoidance. We stay away or we avoid dealing with the problem or we don't want to hear it or we purposely misunderstand so we avoid that person or we avoid the situation or we kind of give it lip service and say, oh, you you mean this, and fine, I'll change, I won't do that again. Or you say something that lets you avoid really looking at yourself or the situation. So that's a defense mechanism called avoidance. Now, blaming is what we hear a lot. Blaming is where you assign responsibility to someone or something else besides you. Your spouse or somebody comes up and says, uh, This happened and this happened and it's because of your behavior. Or your boss comes up and says, hey, you didn't get that thing done. That's put us behind. That's created a problem. Um, You need to know that you messed that up. And all of a sudden you're thinking, well, it wasn't just me. It was someone else. And, you know, I didn't do it. And you start blaming other situations, other people. And you do this thing that I call in my office. I always say they're called yabbit yous. Sounds like the Flintstones, right? But somebody says, hey, you were screaming and swearing at me, and I don't like that behavior, and I don't want you talking to me like that anymore. And instead of you going, okay, i got to look at that behavior, you say, well, yeah, but you, yeah, but you do that. Yeah, but you said to me the other day, well, what about when you scream the F-bomb at me? That's blaming behavior, and that's trying to flip it around on somebody else so that you're not responsible. So a yeah, but you is kind of turn the tables and blame you, um, blaming other people and you're not responsible for your for what happened, is an attempt to direct the blame or the 
situation onto someone else so that you don't have to be afraid, so that you can say, it wasn't me, please don't reject me, don't leave me. So that's called blaming. All right, controlling, excessive attempts to manage or regulate the events in one's environment, to minimize anxiety, and to resolve conflicts. Whether the conflict is inside of you or the conflict is outside of you, when you're controlling, you want to drive the car. You want everybody out. You want to get in the driver's seat, and you want to say, hang on, I got this situation. Now, there's some people that are good at controlling, and in certain situations, you really want them to take control. And then there's some people that use it as a defense mechanism. They're basically saying, you're totally screwing this up. Let me take control. I will fix this. So I also hear in my office a lot with with couples, they'll say, he's so controlling, or she just tries to control everything, or if it's not his or her way, it's the highway. And controlling is an annoying thing to people around you when it's a huge defense mechanism. So write down the word controlling, okay? Denial, that's a defense mechanism. A tendency to ignore aspects of reality. That isn't happening, not happening to me, nope, not going to happen. So denial is definitely a defense mechanism that people use a lot. And we see that often in people. You find out you have cancer, you don't want to make a decision about chemo or not. You don't want to decide if you want to live or die. You, uh, This isn't happening. They were wrong. Maybe the diagnosis didn't happen. So that's denial. Displacement is a defense mechanism. It's where you shift the feelings to another person or an object or an idea that resembles the original one to some degree. The doctor comes in and tells you that you might have can- that you have cancer, that they've biopsied the lump and it's coming back cancerous, and you want to say, "Oh no, no, that couldn't be it. That w- it must be a mistake. You must be looking at someone else's test results, or well, it's because I had pneumonia before that lung ca- that lump in my lung was not cancerous." You're displacing it onto something else to shift the feelings. Okay, so there's some denial there. There's some displacement. All right. So you can see how these can combine to make a really powerful defense mechanism if you combine a few of them. Okay, so that's displacement. Excessive humor. Do you know anybody that turns everything into a joke? They use sarcasm or wit or humor. They deny. They sexualize everything. They avoid feelings by laughing at everything, turning it into a joke, and pulling away from it. That is a defense mechanism. And it's because they are afraid of rejection or afraid of abandonment. And they think it's so much easier to make light of life and make everything into a joke. That gets annoying to people, by the way. If you use excessive humor, write that down because you are more annoying to people than you realize. Another one, intellectualization. Excessive use of the intellectual process to avoid feelings and emotions. Similar to controlling. People will try to control a situation by intellectualizing it. They don't want to feel anything. They want to understand exactly what's happening and why. Okay, another defense mechanism. Isolation and withdrawal. Remaining aloof, separating yourself for others. This is sometimes what I call doing a and d a cold and distant. You get cold, you pull away, you put up your wall, everybody's on the other side. Now you're going to emotionally withdraw and Make yourself safe again. So isolation and withdrawal is a coping mechanism. Projection. Assuming that others feel the same way you do. 
projecting your feelings, thoughts, or opinions onto another. And this is funny because in this whole political time of political unrest and political derangement on all sides of the fence, if you don't say anything about how you feel politically, you watch. The person in front of you will automatically assume that you feel exactly like they do. They will project their feelings onto you and they will be testing you with little things like about who you voted for or how you feel politically. And if you don't say anything, if you're just neutral, they automatically assume you feel like they do. And that's projection. And not everybody does that. But people who project their feelings onto others will do that. And they're using a defense mechanism so that they don't have to be uncomfortable. So that's called projection. Rationalization. Rationalization will... It's uh, trying to find an explanation, a rational explanation in an attempt to justify or rationalize a feeling, a thought or behavior that would otherwise be unacceptable. So they'll do some mental gymnastics, maybe some intellectualizing, maybe some controlling and avoiding to come up with a rationalization of why they did what they did so they can justify their behavior so that they can feel okay again. So rationalization is a coping mechanism. Regression. Attempting to return to an earlier phase of development and functioning to avoid the feelings at the present level of development. Uh, sometimes this happens by somebody will all of a sudden start crying or um, kind of whining or saying, you know, I'm unsafe and you make me feel so bad. And and they will all of a sudden feel very young or uh, very vulnerable and it feels almost manipulative. So that kind of regressive feeling can be a coping mechanism, a defense mechanism, when they feel threatened. Now, is it ever possible for somebody to cry and be upset when they're being told an event or an upset or bad news? Absolutely. Sometimes regression feels manipulative as a defense mechanism. Okay? Let's look at repression. A conscious or unconscious attempt to shove feelings under. The thoughts, the feelings, the beliefs, the behaviors that you consciously would do get shoved under and you repress those feelings. So you might be getting drunk and not even really recognize that you were really upset about what your spouse said to you earlier in the day. You're just feeling stressed and you're going to tie one on. And if somebody says, why'd you get drunk? You go, oh, no, it was an accident. You're repressing all those difficult feelings. Okay, reaction formation. That is... First, repression of what's bothering you, the unwanted thoughts or beliefs. And then compulsively striving to think or feel or behave just the opposite. So your spouse says to you, I don't want to be in a relationship with you anymore. And the reaction formation would be, you know, she did say a whole lot of really good things about us. And, we, and we're actually doing better. And, and then later when you talk to the person again and they say, no, I told you I don't want to be in this relationship. You're blown away because your reaction formation was to have turned that around. That's just a little example of how we try to make something different about what we really heard. And then let's look at this one last one. Sexualization. Giving a person, object, or event sexual significance that it would not otherwise have. And you give it the sexual significance in order to handle the feelings. Like, for example, your boss comes in and says you're being terminated. And your sexualization of that might be, well, you know what? It's because he's always been attracted to me. And when I did not come on to his advances, then that's why he's firing me. So this is about sexuality, not about my job performance. That would be a way of sexualizing an event or upset that's bothering you. 
Okay, so those are some defense mechanisms. There, of course, are some other ones. I mean, the list could be huge, but those are some of the basic ones I see in my private practice all the time. All right, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, I want to make sure you understand those so that we can begin to develop some other healthier patterns of behavior. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty. I just love listening to Randy's music. It's absolutely gorgeous. Randy McGinnis, Native American flutist. You can go to randymcginnis.com. Check it out. Okay, we're talking about defense mechanisms. And we went through a bunch of the real basic ones in the last segment of the show. So at this point, I want you to be able to say, yeah, I do start blaming other people. I do get angry and push people away. Yeah, it's like me to go and like want to get stoned or want to drink too much or get rid of the feeling somehow. So I want you to have noticed where you are when some event or upset happens that puts you into a place of fear. So again, I want you to understand what patterns of behavior are. And you can go back to that podcast and listen to it, Therapy in a Nutshell podcast patterns of behavior. You can go back to the podcast on love and fear and figure out the difference of when you're in a place of love and what happens when you get thrown over into a place of fear. And then you can combine that here with the defense mechanisms that you tend to mobilize to try and get yourself out of those feelings, out of hot water, out of being in trouble, out of the situation that's happening, or to move somebody away from blaming you. You're Tap dancing as fast as you can with your defense mechanism to say, I don't want to feel like this and I don't want you to feel like that toward me. That's what defense mechanisms are all about. You're trying to shift the situation from where it is. The other thing I really want you to get is defense mechanisms Defense mechanisms are not attractive. We think we're pulling something off when we shift the blame to someone else or we get super angry or we do a yab at you and say, yeah, but you do this and you do that and is it just me? We think that we're fixing the situation in our head because we are desperately scrambling to make the person who is affecting the event or upset to make them feel differently toward us and not reject us, not pull away, not abandon us. It is really unattractive when people mobilize their defense mechanisms. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't ever slip and mobilize one and go back later and say, wow, I didn't handle that very well, and I'm going to teach you how to do that by the end of the show. But I want you to recognize that when we are defensive and whatever behavior we tend to utilize for our defensiveness, which is an insight into our soul, But whatever we do, and for whatever reason we are feeling defensive, we have to recognize that we're feeling uncomfortable at the very least. We're feeling fearful for our kids or our marriage or our relationship or our job. We're feeling stressed and challenged and unsafe in some way that will make us mobilize a defense mechanism. Now, there's Subtle, more subtle forms of defense mechanisms that kind of look healthier. 
Like, let me give you one called sublimation. Uh, it's a big word for redirecting your behavior. So let's say um, your teenager comes in and announces that she's pregnant or tearfully and hesitantly cries and says she's pregnant. I Picture the scenario. And you're trying to be accepting and you're trying to not have a cow and you're trying to not be fearful of her future and your future and what does this mean and financial implications and all the things that go along with an unexpected pregnancy for a young girl. And you're scared. And you're trying to handle it well and you're trying not to go into all these defense mechanisms that you know aren't going to look very healthy. So you redirect your upset behavior and you go out for a run or you go to the punching bag and you start punching it and you are acting out on the the punching bag or you're going for a really hard run and you want to get all those feelings out. Is that healthy? can be much better than screaming and yelling at your kid, right? Or it might be that you're just redirecting the rage and the anger and the frustration. And one of the ways you can know if redirecting your behavior is healthy or not is does it make you feel better and better able to handle the situation, or does it wind you up, right? So let's give an example of that. Let's say your teenager comes in and and says she's pregnant, and you're really upset by this. Of course, you know, you're worried for her, for everything, for the child, for you, for what's going to happen now, Um, and you go out for a big run. And with every step pounding the pavement, you're picturing that you're just, really not doing nice things to the person who got her pregnant. And you're mad and you're angry and you want to blame that boy and you're you're winding yourself up. And by the time you get home from that run, you're ready to pulverize somebody. You spent that whole run winding yourself up and feeling worse. That's redirecting your behavior into some other emotion. Instead of sad and upset and worried, now you're angry and blaming and hostile and you want to act out on somebody in a, in a violent way. Can you see the difference in redirecting your behavior could be healthy or redirecting your ha- behavior could wind you up? And that's the secret. Is this making me get more centered with what I need to do with this situation or is this making me worse? Like very seldom do I see somebody getting drunk or stoned to handle a situation, make them more logical more able to handle a situation from a place of integrity and honor and intelligence. Uh, Maybe, but I think that's unusual. So defense mechanisms are our attempt to cope with our life for the little things that come our way or the big things that come our way. So let's go back to the example of when somebody wants to talk to you about something important and you just get defensive. So your spouse is saying to you, God, I can't talk to you about anything. You get so defensive. Why do you get so defensive? And then what, what the person often says is, I'm not defensive. And they often say it like that too. I am not defensive. You just make me mad that you always want to talk to me about stuff I do wrong. And they're angry and they're hostile and they feel attacked. That whole conversation becomes defensive, blaming, avoidance, denial, um, trying to turn the situation around with a yeah, but you, this is about you, you're too picky, you're too critical, you put me down all the time. And it is not a productive conversation. 
So defensiveness happens when we don't know what to do. And that's really important. When somebody comes to you with important information, if you don't know what to do and you're scared or you're worried or concerned, those are all other labels for the word fear. Fear is what I call the true F word, by the way, because fear can control our lives. So when they come to you with something that makes you fearful and you try to get it to change, you're probably mobilizing a defense mechanism. So if you didn't do that, what would you do? And I want to begin to introduce an idea to you that I'm going to go over more in the last part of the show. If somebody comes to you with difficult information, um, you're fired, your kid's pregnant, your spouse is saying they want a divorce, um, your relationship is ending, uh, your house is being repossessed. You're, I mean, these are all difficult things people deal with, right? And someone comes to you with an event or upset or even something really little, like uh, a tiny thing. You You didn't do the dishes and it makes me mad that you leave me with all the household chores to do. Okay. When you feel upset or worried, if you just hold that and take a look at that, what if you could say, you're right, I didn't do the dishes. And you're right, you do most of the chores around here. And you're right, I've been slacking off. Uh, We need to work on this. I got to tell you something. I'm going to give you a really big hint. That is attractive. Your spouse comes to you and says, I want to talk to you about something that's bothering me. And you look at it and you listen and you even say, well, I agree about this part. I don't agree about that part. Or I hear you that you think you don't do any of the choice, but I want to remind you that these are the things that I do. You have a reasonable discussion. You talk about what's happening. You own your part of it. That is attractive. You end up moving away from the situation and your partner says, wow. That was cool. Okay, let's work on that. As opposed to your partner comes up and says something simple like you don't help with the chores enough. And you go, oh, God, you're criticizing me all the time. Really? Come on. I just did the dishes last week. I can't believe that you say that. Now, you know, I mow the lawn. You don't mow the lawn. When was the last time you mowed the lawn? You know what? I do all the outside work. Just because you do the inside work, that's why we set it up. 30 years ago, and you're going off on a tangent, and they're like, oh, here we go. Can't talk to him or her about anything. That is not attractive. You end up pulling away. You end up feeling not close to the person. I can't talk to them about anything. And they're defensive. Now, let's flip that around for a minute. Let's say you are the person going to talk to that person And instead of you saying, hey, can I talk to you about something that's been bothering me and we can work this out, you go in like mega nag. You know, you're ragging and you're angry and you're doing, you know, pointing the finger at them and saying, you you this and you do that and you never and you always. And they're going, whoa, come on, boy, back off. Whoa, can't we talk about this? You are being defensive. You are starting out angry and defensive and trying to control the situation with your rage. So defensiveness can happen before the conversation even starts. It can happen as a response to a difficult conversation. The secret here, people, is we need to 
take a window and look into ourselves and say, how do we behave with others? And what do we want to do? How do we want to be? And how are we sometimes defensive even before the situation starts? And how do we get defensive once a difficult situation starts? Okay, we're going to go to break. Hi, this is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay, and you're listening to Therapy in a Nutshell. All right, we're talking about defense mechanisms. And I want to tell you some healthier ways to handle difficult emotions and events or upsets in your life that throw you for a loop or shift your reality in a heartbeat. And part of it has to do with standing still, all right? So something happens. You get told something or someone yells at you or you get bad information or uh, difficult information or there's a shift in your universe, like somebody dies or there's an accident or someone's pregnant or someone wants out of a relationship. Something happens that makes you shift your world. Your reality is rocked, right? Little bit, tiny bit, like somebody says you didn't help with the chores or big, huge, like somebody wants a divorce. Put that on a scale, like I often talk here in, on a show about like a zero to ten scale. Little tiny, somebody told you didn't do the dishes. Big, huge, somebody died, or someone wants out of a relationship. It can rock your world. Those are the things that make us want to be defensive. We want to mobilize something that makes us not feel it, or to gives us con- give us control, or to help us manage the difficult situation. So, I'm also telling you that when we mobilize the defense mechanisms that I told you before, it's really not attractive. It pulls people away from us and makes them disrespect us. So, I want to give you an example um, from my own life. I used to be the advertising director for a children's book book publishing company when I was going through my master's degree. It was how I worked my way through school. And I was... Super organized. I'm kind of a T-crosser and an I-daughter. So I made this whole manual about how to run the department. And I kind of had this vision, like if something ever happened to me or I was ever gone or so I could go on a vacation, then my assistant could help run what I did and my department could run smoothly. Well, I ended up, this was when Rich and I got married. And so I ended up doing this book and left to get married and was gone for two weeks. And when I got back, the owner of the company called me in and he said, I want to tell you that you did an excellent job organizing your department and making it so it could run smoothly when you were gone. And you did such a good job that if I take over your executive decisions and let the assistants and stuff run the rest of the things, I can save your salary. So I'm going to lay you off. And my first instinct was I wanted to get really mad because I thought, oh, gee, that's not fair. And, oh, I worked so hard. You think he would really want to keep me on or just promote me or something. It turned out to be a good thing because it, it let me stay in my field of psychology and not go off into the advertising world like was a possibility. But I looked at him 
And I thought, you know, that's a really good decision. So I looked at him and said, I totally agree with that. That's a very sound financial decision for this company. And I understand. And he literally looked at me with his mouth hanging open because I think he was set for a battle. He was ready for me to cry or to scream and yell or just something. And I said, okay. So I went in and packed up my desk and he gave me like a severance pay or whatever. And he thanked me again for the great work. And I walked out the door and I got in the car and I remember crying all the way home. (laughs) I was mad and I cried all the way home and was screaming and yelling in my car because then I let it out. But in that moment, I did not have a defensive reaction or an angry reaction. I held what he told me in my hands and thought, you know, that's smart. It wasn't good for me, but it was good for him and it was a wise decision. And I think I shocked him by having that kind of response that was mature, I guess is the best way to say it. And I was in my early 20s. I mean, I was not very old doing this. So i that's a good example of my life. Now, I'm not perfect. There's other examples in my life where I have not had the best reaction. So, But that's one where I did. So I get to share that one with you, okay? But if we can take something, even bad news that someone gives us, and hold it in our hands and take a look at it, either objectively or quietly, we can decide how we want to handle it. And at this point, while you are holding in your hands bad news, you might say, I don't know how to respond to this. I need time. That's called buying time. You don't have to have a response or a reaction right then. You might have an instantaneous emotional response. Let's say you just found out what gets plopped in your hands as somebody died. You might immediately have an emotional response of tears or upset, but what gets plopped in your hands needs to be seen as a tangible object. If it's that somebody died or you're getting fired or somebody's leaving the relationship, you need to hold that. You've heard me talk on this show before about, I call it holding the dog poop, and I acknowledge I don't always call it poop, but you're going to hold that and say, whoa, what is this and where did it come from? Buying time so you can figure out how you want to respond is really good. If you are buying time, I recommend that you practice silence. And you can say, I'm not going to respond to this right now because I might say something I don't want to say. But I can tell you I need time to evaluate this and I'll get back to you. That's buying time and practicing silence. Okay? What's really important when something gets plopped in your hands, if you are developed and emotionally developed individual, you can look at what's in your hands, you can stop and say, how do I feel about this? And even if how you feel about it is negative or angry or hurt or sad or scared, okay, I'm understanding that. But what we want is honesty. We want you to have your honest, heartfelt response that is vulnerable In other words, not defensive, that you're standing in your truth and you're saying, wow, this is how I feel about that, that you listen first fully to what everybody is saying and you understand. So you've heard me say before, 
Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. I'm going to say that one more time. Somebody plops something in your hands. It's an event or an upset or hard information. You want to seek to fully understand what they are saying to you before you have a defensive response, whether a healthy response or an unhealthy response. Before you seek to be understood how you feel, you cannot respond fully and wholeheartedly and with vulnerability unless you have fully understood what they're saying to you. So listen first. What is your honest response? How do you stand in your truth with what you believe or don't believe? And how can you do that with vulnerability? All right? This is this is a hard formula when you first think about it, especially if what you're used to doing is stomping around and being defensive in terms of blaming and anger and backing people off and trying to control the situation and then repress it and bury it and then go out and um, do the proverbial kick the dog, which is trying to react somewhere else. I go punch a bag or put your fist through the wall or do something violent, break something. Those are all reaction formations where you're trying to feel some other way by acting out. So the healthy response is to own it, to practice silence. If you do speak, you speak in terms of active listening. For example, let's take the you don't do the chores thing. You might look at your spouse and say, all right, I hear you saying that you're really upset because you feel like I don't do my part of the chores. Specifically, I left the dishes, I didn't do them, and that is what made you upset and is making you say that I don't do enough chores. You might not agree with your spouse at all for saying that, but you have active listened and heard exactly what they say. One of the podcasts that I have is called Communication Basics. If you listen to that podcast, Therapy in a Nutshell podcast, Dr. Patricia Bay, Communication Basics, it'll teach you how to do that. And it's not that hard. It really isn't that hard. But I want you to know something. If you can hear somebody fully, and then let's say that your spouse is right. You haven't been participating in the tour as much. If you own it and say, I hear you, And I think you're right. I think I haven't, I've been slacking. I haven't been doing all my chores. I've, I think I can't, don't have any great excuse. I think I've just been tired or stressed or maybe I've become complacent or maybe I'm taking you for granted because you usually do it. But you're right. And I hear you. And let's talk about how we can change that. That is disarming in terms of their irritation and anger at coming at you. It is super attractive. When somebody hears you and says, wow, okay, let's work on that, it's attractive. They say, I can talk to you about anything, and it's really cool. It draws them to you and toward you. So in this spot, I want you to stop and look at what defense mechanism would I normally use with really bad information like getting fired or someone died or a spouse that says I went out of a relationship, and what defense mechanism would you use in a little tiny situation? And how could you listen more, understand more, stand in your truth, whatever your truth is, whether you agree or disagree, but do that in a communication style 
that owns your own behavior and helps rectify the situation so you come together. It doesn't have to be fear. Right? You get it? This is a window into your soul. What are your defense mechanisms? Start to take a look at them. Okay, this is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay. You've been listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, where I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.